Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike, and this is a spoiler-free review of The Boogeyman, the one that just came out, not the Boogeyman of my youth, which was the trilogy that came out, and it's not great. I just did an article for that on Bloody Disgusting. I'll put a link for it below. It goes through all three of those movies, and I sat through it, so you fucking read it. Read it or I'll break it off. Hey, it's so good to see you all's faces, and I am watching you right now from your living room window. The Boogeyman. It is the latest movie from Rob Savage, who directed host which was a huge hit during quarantine that we actually made Jay watch filmed him watching it and filmed him literally shitting his pants so I'll put that video at the end of this one as well but no host was great I like dash cam a lot for what it was it was a good time and he's just with this one he solidified himself for sure as somebody that I will watch just everything he puts out for sure I, I've enjoyed everything I've watched so far and it's all it's got its own originality to it now speaking of which that whole idea this is a PG-13 horror movie and it's literally the opposite of originality when you think about it, because it's literally called The Boogeyman, and it's about a scary monster that pops out of people's beds and, and closets and whatever. But the way it's done is is where the sauce is. And I love sauce. All over my... That's, don't be gross, Peter. It's a PG-13 Friday night crowd pleaser. Yeah, there's a, not a lot of gore. There's obviously no F-bombs. There's a whole lot of jump scares. It's that kind of movie. But... I wouldn't call this even gateway horror. Like, I've, I've seen many people say that about this, and I'm sure that could be true depending on whoever, but the thing about it is that makes it different is that it's actually scary, in my opinion, which is the thing that's the most important. But it's the themes. They're dealing with a lot of grief in this movie. They're dealing with a lot of dark stuff. We're talking about stuff happening to kids. And I think the themes in it are really dark and brutal, and there's some really scary moments in it. There's stuff in this that's going to fuck up a kid way worse than hearing a couple F-bombs or seeing a half an ass cheek somewhere. I mean, if, if a kid can handle this movie, then they can, they can handle a couple of fuck bombs and a couple of throat slashes. Trust me. I was a little hungover watching it this morning, and there's some stuff I didn't want to handle at that moment. And there's this opening set in the movie that really just manages to set the tone for all that. It's quick. It happens fast. It's brutal. It's mean, and it's cruel. And it doesn't show you a thing. So it really sets the tone and lets you know, it's like, we're coming with the thunder. It may not be a, 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 the literal cock that we're talking about, but you'll know it when you feel it. I don't know what, what I'm going with that reference. I just figure when people say they're coming with the thunder, I, they mean they're dicks. And again, yes, that's the big question. Is the movie scary? Yes, it's it, it's scary. It's scary as fucking crunch nuts. At least it was in my opinion. Now, being scared is subjective. We had people arguing with us the other day that The Exorcist wasn't a scary movie. So there are going to be people who say it's not scary at all. For me, it was. And I'm not a huge jump scare guy. They don't really bother me. I'm just kind of middle of the road on them. My problem with like the Conjuring type movies, that they don't scare me. The Conjuring and the spinoffs and all that doesn't scare me at all. Because I've always maintained they do the same thing. Like, nobody's ever at risk. Nobody ever really dies very much in those movies. If you watch it, it's a cut and paste situation. The Oogie Boogie comes out and goes boogity boogity boogity, and everybody gets scared, but nobody even gets injured or hurt most of the time. And it just, it's literally like, <laughs> I scared them. Like, it doesn't do anything. There's no, it feels like there's no stakes in a lot of those movies. Not every single one. And yeah, there are you know, exceptions that prove the rule in some of those movies, for sure. I'm just saying that when it comes to the Conjuring S type of movies, usually not my bag. What's different about this movie, The Boogeyman, is that, yes, there are those moments where it literally comes out and goes, nah, and goes away. That does happen. But there's two reasons why it works for me here, is, is the stakes 
feel higher in this movie because of the way that the tones have been set and the dark themes that are actually going on in it and what they've shown the audience it will do and, 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 and all that and the fact that there's these kids, right? So the kids... The teenage daughter and the youngest daughter have already been through so much. As the movie starts, we find out that their mother died in a car accident and the dad's not talking about it very much and he's not really being helpful to them. They have to go to school and kids are shitty and mean and kind of like the emotional grief the movie puts these kids through kind of threatens you and it lets you know like we will do anything that's what makes it feel like this movie has stakes to me because you already feel so bad for him and especially the little girl played by vivian played by i can't say her fucking name she was a little girl from bird box you just feel terrible for her and the movie puts her in dangerous dangerous situations like i won't get into spoilers as far as the things that happened to her but it, it's not light on the kids in this movie by any means so it is scary because it lets you know i will fucking do shit it's not like an nba fight where you know no one's gonna swing you get a feeling that this movie could kill off one of these characters at some point and that's why when it's scary it actually puts you on the edge of your seat a little bit and she's so good in it and by the way i'm just kind of at a point now with movies where i know a lot of people are like that with dogs like you better not hurt the dog but nothing better happen to the dog fuck all the people i'm kind of starting to get to a point where i'm like that with kids in movies like i've kind of had enough of it you know we just did this with evil dead rise and i love the movie and I realize that kids in peril is like a part of horror, but it's starting to get to me a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting soft in my old age, but I'm kind of, oh, I don't want to see a little kid go through pain for like at least a few years in a movie. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what to say. It, it's, it's, it's sticking deep into my stickler. That didn't make any goddamn sense. And the older sister, played by Sophie Thatcher, who was in Yellow Jackets, she's really good in this too. Like all the acting all the way across is really good, but she is, she looks just like Billie Eilish. It's really super weird. But the way she's na navigating high school and dealing with the grief of her mom dying and all that, it's all really painful to watch and deal with too. And they're both good people, and it's just, it's hard to watch them go through it. But that's my point is that the movie lets you know these people are not going to have it easy. And the dad, I kept trying to figure out who that guy was. It's Chris Messina, and he has a way of like saying dialogue that's just so clear cut, and he's got just this this certain kind of accent to his voice. You could sit and watch that guy read the fucking Bible. That's a weird sentence to say together. But he's the dude, he's the detective from Devil, in Mike Shyamalan's written Devil movie. That was him and that, and he's in this, and he's super good. Uh, everybody's good in the movie, but that's what happens. Basically, they're dealing with navigating all this grief, and David Dasmalkian's character darkens their doorstep, and he's awesome in everything he does. You guys know that. You've seen him. He's perfect for the role that he's in, and he shows up as this just broken-down man who's lost three kids, and everybody in town thinks that it's him, that he's the murderer because they all died under mysterious circumstances, and he's all broken. He's like, I don't know where else to go, and he tells him this story about how his kids drew it once and like show, shows him this kid-drawn picture of it, and basically he's saying, it's the boogeyman. Things go fucking foobar from there and get all freaky town. And basically, that boogeyman is this family's now. I mean, it's just like when your wife takes the kids to go look at the puppies at the puppy shelter. They're coming home with one, and you own it now. And that is basically what's going on with this. Another reason why the boogeyman works so well for me, and it's not perfect, and it's got its, its issues, and we'll talk about those, but one of the reasons it works so perfectly for me, and by the way, spoiler party, Monday Night Live. Jay's going to watch this weekend as well, so we're both going to do full-on spoilers Monday. So I do recommend you see it and show up for that, because we're going to party Monday night. So be there. But one of the main reasons that this movie works, and it's the only reason to me, like, it's not the only reason, but it's a necessary thing. And that is the look of the boogeyman. It looks amazing. And they barely show it. They perfectly escalate. 
Thanks for noticing. Uh, they perfectly escalate how much they show of this monster as the movie goes goes on. At first, it is literally like I started worrying about like Tyler Durden being in the stands, like showing me a, a quick like. What do you call it when it's uh, subliminal imagery, like showing me dicks and stuff like that? Because it'll show up so fast. Like, you're like, did I miss it? Shit, I wasn't paying attention. I was eating my fucking Lifesaver gummies, and I missed it. But no, I think it just happens really quick. And as the movie goes forward and the scares pick up, they gradually show you more. And it looks so good. You know, you can tell that there's CGI going on for sure at times, just because you could tell by the gangly-ass way it moves around everywhere. But when it appears in these dark corners of these closets and stuff like that, the way its eyes look and the way it barely shows itself, it's really creepy. It It's cool as fuck looking. And then ultimately in the end when they show a whole lot more of it, it gets it gets super gross and it's it's well made. Like even though some of it's CGI, of course, it's really well made. It's original looking. It's not just oh another demigorgon or whatever. You know, they did a great job with that, and that just what sets sets it off. It, it would take you right out of the scene. It's it's in the dark so much, so hard to see, but they show you just enough. And it's not a situation like what was it the relic I think where the whole movie's super dark. Or was it mimic? I can't remember either way. But it's every time they show the monster, it's so dark you literally can't see it. It's like that, but they'll they'll give you like a little bit, you know, they'll give you a foot or some shit or like a leg or like the side of its face, and eventually they will give you the whole enchilada. And a lot of movies they fuck it up right there. It reminds me of Cloverfield in a way, where you would see little bits of it like moving throughout, and that was cool. But when they show it to you and they reveal it to you, it's not fucked up. It's actually really ingenious, like the design of this thing, and it's original and it's freaky, and I don't like it one bit. Bing bing, turkey's done. Yes, my nipples are hard. They're always hard. I don't know how to explain it. It's really hot in here. Do you mind if I put some ice cubes on my nipples? What movie is that from? Comment down below. That's a tough one. The story is very, very simple. You can kind of guess and, you know, figure out like, oh, this is where this is going to go. This is where this is going to go. There's some very obvious things that we've seen done a million times in horror before for sure. But it's a total joy to watch the cinematography and the camera work of the movie is one of the things I always pay close attention to. And they do some really cool stuff in here with this. Some like under the bed, like they'll flip the camera up. You see a little bit of that in the trailer. Some excellent camera work, some amazingly choreographed horror scenes in this it's, it's not like when darkness falls in my opinion this movie actually has true fear in it and it's got heavy grief and it's not to me it's not corny ever really they take it seriously and they're trying to scare you and it feels like that creepy kind of St Stephen King vibe to it the issues come from the pacing a little bit for a movie that's an hour and 33 minutes and has a lot of scares in it it really felt like it had some pacing issues I mean we're, it's a very simple story of grief that we're going through and we're dealing with here. And by the way, the writers of this are the guys who wrote A Quiet Place and they wrote Haunt, but they brought in another writer. And this writer's the guy who wrote The Black Swan. And he wrote a movie called Skeleton Twins with Bill Hader in it that was a really emotional type of you know indie film that I watched years and years ago on like Redbox or some shit. It was pretty good. But you could tell they they brought that guy in, I think, specifically to talk to to add like the emotional layers and the, and the therapy and stuff that, that's in this movie for these characters. But at the end of the day, it's all a little bit simple. It doesn't hurt the movie because you really care about them and all that stuff, and it really puts you in their shoes. But at some point, I just feel like they take it too far. They spend too much time talking about how sad these kids are. And you don't want to be mean. You don't want to be mean. But there's a couple moments where I'm like, I fucking get it. Like, she's sad because her mom's dead. Like, I don't need to watch her go through her stuff for 12 minutes. And there's a couple scenes where, like, there's one scene that's in the basement where you think, you know, fuck me up, Greg. Fuck me up. And then Greg's like, nah. And they're just like, they don't use it. 
So there's some there's a pacing issue in the middle of the movie where they really focus on that when they should be amping up the scares. But when the end finally comes around, it's a good time. And it all wraps up really nicely. And I will say that I think that if this movie wanted to go further and do other stories and take this character further, I think there's room for it for sure. Because there's some interesting stuff um, that you could really do with it. And then the only other thing is like I really wish that they would focus on the rules a little bit more in this movie. There's times where, sure, you could you'd be like, just turn on turn on the light. Problem solved. Why are you sitting in the darkness with basically the lights out monster? And there's some parallels to that as well. But there's other times where it will take the light out. Like you'll see the light fizzle and pop or whatever. And you're like, well, if it can do that sometimes, can it just do that all the time and go after who he wants? Does it control electricity? How did that happen? So there's there's a lot of lore and like rules of this that aren't set in stone. And it makes it kind of hard sometimes to get into it in little moments because you're like, well, you can't do that, I guess. But last time they popped the light bulb, but this time they used a phone light. You're like, what? What are your powers, Daniel? What are they? What do you want? And then there's other scenes where like a character will have their house covered in candles, just candles everywhere, like shitty little dollar store candles all over the goddamn place. By the way, this one lady, just literally Wes from Puddle of Mud is in this movie. <laughs> wait till you see her. That, just, just watch the movie and wait until the lead singer of Puddle of the Mud, the Puddle of the Mud dude pops up and he's like, a little bit psycho, yeah, you'll see it. And no offense, that is that is not a knock on the actress. She's actually a really beautiful person. And you know, Wes was kind of, kind of a pretty guy himself. But it, the character's meant to look this way. They're meant to look really fucked up and depraved. That character was a little over the top, a little uh, kind of like Anne Hesh's character. And I know what you did last summer. Like, I'm fucked up. And I live in a meth house now because of what happened to my my husband. <laughs> and it's just, it's a little over the top. But yeah, her care, her house is covered in fucking candles, man. And it's like, so it can't blow out a candle, but it can pop a light bulb. I'm very confused as to this thing's powers. And why doesn't it just take out, why doesn't it just walk around the house in the darkness and unscrew all the fucking light bulbs <laughs> when no one's looking? And then when it pops out at nighttime, it could have its fucking way with everybody. There's, there's, there's tiny little things all through the movie like that, that, that will bother you if you pay enough attention to them. But at the end of the day, the boogeyman was well-crafted. The scares were, were pretty damn good, in my opinion. There's a couple jump scares that made me shit my pants. And I really love the look of it. It's a good time. Horror fans, I think you'll really enjoy it. There are going to be some of you like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? That shit sucked. That was Bubblegum Jackson's nutsack. And I'm like, listen, listen I, it's subjective. Fear is subjective. I felt like this was heavy, and it was dark, and it was twisted. And I felt like some of those kids could have got fucked up real quick. So I was very nervous. And, um, and I thought they just, they did an amazing job with the monster and that was necessary in a movie that's super simple and that we've seen the themes of in horror a hundred times. So yeah, man, I'm going to give the boogeyman a 7.5. That's my score for this movie. I def definitely recommend going to see it and I definitely recommend clicking the subscribe button. Get some fucking wham up in you. God damn it. Do it for me. Do it for your country. Do it for your dad. Do it for the boogeyman. It's boogeymania. Speaking of which, that bloody disgusting article on the past boogeyman trilogy will be down below. And that video on host will be at the end of this. And I will be at the end of your... That's not... I don't know where I was going with that. We'll see you Monday night. Have a great fucking weekend, guys. Halloween never ends. Suck my fucking dick. And I don't really care what Blumhouse fucking says. Put him in a box. Or suck a fucking cock. You can say he's dead, but we all know he's not. Yeah. So let's go trick or treating, let's go fucking drinking, let's all go in pumpkin head on VHS, cause Halloween never